Good to have you back here on a Monday afternoon, 27th day of June, 2022. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplow. It's good to hear you on Sports Talk. Good to hear you, too. Good to be back. Um, Let's just get the cat out of the bag right now and let everybody know where I've been. Uh, I've been home with COVID. Um, Got it Sunday is when I tested positive, so a week, uh, what, eight days ago? And, you know, who knows where, um, where this one came from. Could have been a lot of places. Could have been Madison Square Garden with Billy Joel um, a week and a half ago. It could have been um, the hotel lobby. Could have been the airport on the way back. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea where I got it. But all I can tell you is this. For two years, I've avoided that damn thing. And uh, as far as I knew, never, uh, never had it. But uh, when I finished the show last Friday with the Foss and Chris and Adrian, started to have a sore throat. Um, didn't think much of it. Just figured, yep, eh, getting a you know lack of sleep from New York. Have to catch up. So didn't sleep real well that Friday. Saturday woke up. Uh, throat started feeling a little bit better in the afternoon. Took a COVID test just in case. Was negative. And then the coughing started. And the coughing never ended. And the coughing went through the night. And um, all the while, I decided to uh, isolate myself in another room of the house because I don't want to take a chance with anybody else in the family. And uh, Sunday morning, woke up, 102.6 fever. Took another COVID test, positive. This one, there was no doubt. No doubt. So um, after that, went on an antiviral uh, that Sunday. Started feeling better really by Monday but I'm not stupid. I wasn't going to try and, um, you know, come back early uh, or do the show from the house. Adrian did a terrific job, as he always does. He had a huge week last week. He had the live show with the Jones Brothers on Friday and everything else that was going on. As for me, uh, feel better. Haven't really had any symptoms other than a little nagging cough, uh, which for the most part is, uh, you know, in uh, consequential compared to what uh, normally uh, other people have gone through, and uh, I'm I'm lucky to feel uh, good enough to where uh, today was a no-brainer. Come back to the radio station. Uh, Nobody is allowed in this in this uh, studio, by the way, for the next week. I'm just letting all of you know there will be no in-studio guests because uh, I am not going to risk it with anybody else. And Adrian is in an airtight room across the glass, and that's the way it needs to be, and that's the way it's going to be. So uh, I'm just happy to be back. And all I can tell you is, uh, for me, it was like a bad cold. That's the best way to put it. It was like a bad cold. And I've had bad colds before. Don't get me wrong. I've had the sore throat. I've had the runny nose. I've had the coughing. Uh, it's just now, instead of just being a normal bad cold where you take a pack or an antibiotic or whatever, now you test for COVID to see if you've had that. So, in a way, Adrian, I'm relieved. I finally got it out of the, uh, you know, I, I've, I finally got it over with, done with, and hopefully that's going to be it for a while. I'm glad you're back, Steve. I'm, I'm glad that everything was good with you and your family, that, uh, you know, this bug, th- this uh, virus got me back at New Year's and it wasn't any fun. It's pretty boring and then you kind of get tired all the time. So I think that would be the biggest thing. But uh, I will stay in this uh, in this classroom over here away good. from you. But I'm happy that we're doing the show together and I'm happy that you're back in action. 
I am masked up at the radio station when I'm around people. For those of you wondering, yes, I am not uh, going to try and infect the radio station. So I'm wearing the N95s, have that. And uh, yet, you know, at the same time, um, I will say this. Working from home last week and not doing the radio show, I was amazed with how much sales work I got done. Like the most ever in a week for me. So that was good news. And much to the delight of Kevin Vargas, our um, uh, was he is our like our vice president of programming is basically yeah. what he is. Uh, I I did catch up on twelve weeks of uh, ESPN radio affidavits. He's nice. very, okay. he was very proud of that. He was. He said, "Listen, here's the deal." He's like, um, "You do the affidavits, and then you won't have to take PTO, personal time off." I said, "Those take a long time too." It did take a long time. You're right about that. I said twelve weeks, Adrian, three months. But I'm all caught up, and I will be. I will stay caught up. So we won't have to do those ever. You know, any, like go not deal with that anymore. So anyway, it's good to be back. Good to be with you. I heard the um, ANA All the Way Foundation was a lot of fun. The event was great. I was talking to Cody Decker, who I was unfortunately not able to see, uh, which is weird. It's like the only time Cody's been in El Paso in the last three years. And I haven't seen him, mostly because he lives with me when he's in town. But luckily, he worked a hotel deal with this year's event. So good for Cody. Plus, he wouldn't have had the guest room because I was in it. That was my isolation. So, you know. Occupied. Couldn't do anything about it. That's exactly right. That is exactly. But the broadcast sounded great. The game sounded like fun. And from what I heard, they had a pretty good crowd. But I spoke to that was there, said a couple thousand. And all things considered, with rescheduling the event, not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, not bad at all, Steve. And uh, everybody was excited who was out there. They wanted to see the celebrity guests who were out there as well. And uh, I think Friday led uh, perfectly into Saturday, which was really for the kids. I mean, uh, it was like Saturday. Friday was just a great event for a lot of uh, local celebrities or celebrities across the, the nation who came and joined Aaron and Alvin for their uh, fundraiser charity softball game. But Saturday was a real big one with their uh, camp, their youth camp that they've uh, continued to do uh, every year and during the summer. They always make it free for the city of El Paso. They held it at Burgess. So yeah, big week for the ANA All the Way Foundation. That's great news. And I'm happy for them. And I heard the camp their camp I suppose it was amazing. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard it went real well. Yeah, they had like two sessions, two different age groups, all sold out. And I'm happy it got done. I'm happy they made the you know, I'm happy they they were able to get the uh the chance to deliver on what, you know, this this softball game was supposed to have happened last year. And then they got pushed to this year, and then they got pushed again. So I think, wasn't it originally supposed to be, was it in April originally? Yeah, that's exactly right. It was supposed to be in April. They couldn't get dates right. Packers had OTAs, so they had to move it again. Uh, there were, I guess there was kind of like some, uh, it was a very fluid roster because uh, we didn't we, we didn't know that New York Jets running back Michael Carter would be there, but we did, uh, we actually didn't know that Will Hernandez wouldn't, wouldn't uh, make the trip. So it was kind of like some late changes to the roster and stuff like that, but they still made it work and they still made it fun for all the family. Michael Carter's a big get. Was yeah. Paul Williams in town for no he was he didn't make the ro- he was on the roster didn't make the trip I guess Steve. okay 
So Michael Carter was like a last-minute sub. I guess so, That's a yeah. great last-minute sub for yeah. Jet fans out there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, the addition of Michael Carter was pretty awesome. Eric Tomlinson back in the 915, you got to see a lot of pictures of him. And, uh, yeah, these people who don't really come to El Paso got a chance to visit the city for the first time in, in a while or first time ever. So you think about it, over the years we had the Ray Mickens camps and then we also had the Brian Young camps. And those were really the two camps – Mickens had the longest run. I think Mickens was 10 years in El Paso. It's a huge camp that we broadcasted live every year from their charity golf tournament. And they brought in everybody for that. So El Paso has had the opportunity to hold these uh, these football camps over the years, celebrity camps. But it's good that it's back with the Jones brothers. I'm happy because Ray did a great job. And if I'm not mistaken, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think that Aaron and Alvin both attended the Mickens camp when they were kids. That sounds right, Steve. I, I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt that at all if that was the case. So, you know, it's good to see that they're doing it now and, and, and starting their, you know, their own legacies uh, here in the El Paso area. So I'm happy about that. All right. There's a lot of ways to get into the show today. You can tweet us, 600 ESPN El Paso. You can also call into the show. Um, our phone number is 505-6009. That is 505-6009. If you uh, download the mobile app powered by United Bank, you'll be able to get into the show. That's right. You can um, send us your questions while you're listening live. But again, good to be back. Feels good to be here. Uh, and we've got a good lineup for you today. That's uh, that's the one thing I'll say about sports talk. Day in, day out, always, always a great lineup. And today, uh, once again, uh, we've got Greg Tepper at 420 from uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. And then Dave DeFore at 5. So a nice, nice little one-two punch today with the two Daves, Tepper and DeFore. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And this year, more than ever, the Dave Campbell Texas Football Magazine resembles a phone book. And I'm not talking about the current Yellow Pages. I'm talking about the circa 1990s Yellow Pages. Because this thing is a monster. It is absolutely built like a phone book. So um, Greg Tepper, Dave DeFore will join us coming up on the show today. 400 pages. Now, I've seen this book being 400 pages before, Adrian, but this time around, it feels different. It It's heavier. It feels like they're using better print stock. I don't know what it is, but it is an absolute masterpiece this year. Yeah, it really is, and I I always encourage any football fan, not even you know if you're college, if you're NFL, if you're high school football, anybody who's a fan of football, I recommend uh, you to get yourself a copy of one of these. If you go on their website, you could be a subscriber and get yourself an early copy. But this gives you everything you need to know about high school football, both in your local area or uh, at the height at the, like the Texas level. It gives you all the college football you need, and then it even sprinkles in some pro football stuff. So yeah, it's it's simply the Bible when it comes to Texas football and everything you need to know. And I can't remember the last time this particular publication predicted UTEP to win as many games as they did this year. This has got to be a record. Now, 
Maybe Greg will be able to tell us because he probably has volumes upon volumes and volumes of these books. And we might have to go all the way back to the 04, 05, 06 editions to find out if UTEP was ever, ever predicted to win eight games in a season like they are this year. Last year, I believe they were, I think they were still a losing, uh, it was still a losing projection from the Dave Campbell's brass. Oh, yeah, it was either three or four. Yeah, it was like three or four wins. And this year, it's all the way up to eight. I'm like, wow. You know, this UTEP football, we've been talking up this team. I've been saying that this schedule is very favorable for them, but eight wins is still eight wins for a UTEP football team. That's haven't won eight games in a long, long time, Steve. So to predict that, it's a bold prediction right there by the Dave Campbell's brass. And yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear from uh, Greg Tepper as to hear as to what he heard from Mike Craven, who I guess made the trip to El Paso and actually interviewed Dana Dimmel. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what what their outlook is for UTEP football. I'm amazed because now that Shahan is not doing the UTEP prediction anymore, suddenly the number of wins has skyrocketed. Do you really think that if uh, Shahan was running the uh, UTEP preview like he has in the past, they'd be predicted to be 8-4? and four? I think he would do a 6-6 six and six Me finish. too. Yeah. Me too. So text Shahan and find out if he was still writing for Dave Campbell how many victories he would give UTEP for this okay. upcoming season. I, I want to know what he would. Because I guarantee you it wouldn't be 8-4. and four. Yeah, I'll do that. That sounds great. Please, if you don't mind. So Greg Tepper will be joining us coming up next. Then Dave DeFore to begin our 5 o'clock hour. Good to have you with us as we get going here on uh, what will be a busy week of sports talk. Congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche. Have won Lord Stanley Cup. And that's a big deal. A really big deal because they did it by beating the back-to-back champs the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they finished them off on their home ice, which is pretty impressive when you start to look at things. So a lot of Colorado Avalanche fans in El Paso because of the Patrick Wah era, and a lot of people love the uniforms because they're just, they're cool. That's the best way to put it. Great-looking colors, great design, and uh, they've been good for a while now. They've been good for 25 years. One of the better, uh, you know, one of the better uh, NHL teams and franchises over that amount of time. So congratulations to those in Denver with the Cup now back in uh, Colorado. All right, more in a moment, but first, let's go to Charlie One. He'll kick it off right with our first traffic update of the afternoon. As we continue, Greg Tepper's on deck from Dave Campbell's Texas Football, but we did ask Shahan Jaraja during the break, what his forecast for UTEP would be if it was in line with this year's uh, Dave Campbell, since Sean's no longer with the publication. And uh, Adrian, why am I not surprised that he went under? This year's uh, prediction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Shahan J. Raja, now with CBS Sports, he's uh, killing it over there. And uh, he, he looked at the uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, but he had to disagree and say 5-7 and seven for UTEP football. Man, of course he did. You know, and that's, that's what I love about Shahan. The time when the day Shahan picks UTEP to win eight games in a season will probably be the year they go undefeated and go into a BCS bowl, right? I'm with you on that completely. Yeah, I know. Let's go to managing editor Greg Tepper. He joins us next as Sports Talk continues jumping out to our hotline. Uh, Greg, first off, welcome back to El Paso. Good to have you on the show, and congratulations on the new magazine. How you doing? 
I'm doing excellent. Thank you, boys. I, I appreciate an opportunity to talk to our friends uh, out out in, in far west Texas. And uh, and and uh, as for Shahan J. Raja, our our former colleague, um, you know, look, uh, I'm, I'm, he's entitled to his opinion. Obviously, um, you know, obviously he, he we, we disagree on on the UTEP miners, and that's okay. I would have liked him to have his ba- the back of his former employer, but that's fine. You know, whatever. He's not cashing paychecks from us anymore. I guess I guess uh, the loyalty ended there, Shahan. I hope you're listening. I hope he is too. And by the way, I was trying to figure this out, Greg, and maybe you can answer this for me because um, I would have to probably go back to the Mike Price years between maybe 05 and 06 to know the last time, if ever, if ever, Dave Campbell's predicted UTEP to win eight games in a season. Yeah, it's been a minute, you know, but this is a this is a UTEP team that we really like, and we, we think that they really hit their stride last year, and it, we we don't think it was an accident. We think that this is a team that, that that's starting to figure out exactly its identity. Obviously, it took a little bit of time uh, to get there, but when you look at what the, what they're bringing back, especially in that defensive front seven, which figures to be one of the very best in in conference USA, they bring back four of their five starters in the offensive line. Uh, they they have probably we hope figured out the quarterback situation with Gavin Hardison. Obviously, some pieces to to fix on the outside, but. Uh, I look at this UTEP team, and I think that there's there's a lot to like here. This is a, a program that that feels like it's it's really rounding into form. And beyond that, look look at the state of of, the, of Conference USA. I think Conference USA, basically outside of of, of UTSA and then maybe a team like like Charlotte or, or or a couple of other programs that could rise to the top of Conference USA. Uh, I think it's there for the taking. You know, UAB is going to be pretty good. Western Kentucky, we really don't know what they're going to look like, uh, you know, without Bailey Zappi. Uh, but but I look at a, I look at a program like like UTEP, and you, you say why not? In well, a wide open conference, they can really make a run, especially with what they have uh, really in the, in the nitty gritty parts of their team, the offensive line and the defensive line. Mike Craven did a nice job on this year's uh, preview in the magazine, which is out right now. By the way, um, four hundred pages. Uh, the book feels. Mm-hmm heavier this year than it normally does i don't know if it's because you guys are using different card stock what it is but when i saw the book for the first time i looked at adrian and i said man this truly feels like a phone book you guys have outdone yourself this year well we appreciate it it's a little bit thicker paper a little bit nicer paper uh this year that's part of it but but also you know it's we we've got those 400 pages and we stuff them full i mean that's weird there's there's not a lot of wasted space in this magazine simply because there's so much football to cover you know each of the 12 fbs teams uh get uh get five pages and by the way we're going to be adding more next year considering sam houston is, is jumping up to the fbs ranks uh we we've had to to move some things around simply because there is so much football in, in the state. And that's not even to mention the 1400 high school football teams that we cover. So uh, it's a, it's a labor of love. It's a lot of work uh, that goes into it, but, uh, but we're proud to do it. And, and we know that that football fans in the state of Texas wouldn't have it any other way. Nicely done. Again, if you're just joining us right now, we're talking with managing editor, Greg Tepper from uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football magazine. The new issue is out by the way, and it features Jeff trailer, a uh, head coach of uh, UTSA on the cover, along with Texas Tech's Joey McGuire, so there you go. You got uh, both coaches on the uh, front of the magazine, and that is available mm-hmm. wherever uh, magazines and books are sold here and around the area. By the way, you mentioned UTSA, and I'm going to be the first to ask you. They have so many gone from last year. Um, mm-hmm. Trailer did an amazing job, Greg, but can he can he turn it around as quickly from one year to the next, or do you expect uh, a bit of a drop-off from the Roadrunners? 
you know, I think that you know, it's 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 tough to say. You know, we expect a little bit of a drop off, but considering they were conference champions last year, I think a lot of that may just have to do with what may be a little bit of a tougher schedule. You know, that they open up going taking on Houston, they have to go to Texas this year. Uh, you know, those are going to be difficult games, but but in the end, I think they have to be the front runner again in Conference USA, uh, specifically because of what they bring back on the offensive side. You know, they're bringing back probably one of the best receiver cores in the conference there uh, was Zachary Franklin and Josh Cephas, uh, plus to Corey and Clark, guys like that. They bring back four of their five starting offensive linemen. And remember, they feel like they have the, the solution at quarterback and Frank Harris, who was such a breakout star for them. The defense does need a little bit of retooling, especially uh, when you take a look in, in the linebacker core, uh, things like that. They replaced two, uh, two of their edge rushers as well. But I think that UTSA has established themselves, uh, perhaps at least in the short term, as, uh, as the team to beat this year in Conference USA. Uh, what they bring back, uh, I think, is enough to make them the, the front runners in the conference. And this is going to be a really interesting swan song for the conference, isn't it? Because they're losing mm-hmm. so much from this year to next. And, uh, you know, you said it best. I mean, UTEP's got a chance to become a perennial power in Conference USA mm-hmm. during that transition period because UTSA, UA. AB, um, North Texas, Rice, uh, and then you look at Charlotte along with uh, FAU. They're all gone after this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that in this transition period, obviously, you know, I think people look at conference, uh, conference realignment and say, oh, you know what, UTEP getting left behind. Uh, you know, if that is the case, then I think they can take a look at, at what's going to be the newly reconstituted Conference USA and really take advantage of it and say, all right, well, here we are, but we're going to be the dominant force here. We're going to be the team that goes out there and, and establish, uh, establishes ourselves as the team to beat in the new Conference USA. Uh, there's a, there's, and, and that's why I think this year in particular is really important to, to go out there and, and say that, you know what, last year was not a fluke. This is a, a year that this is a, a new UTEP. This is a new program that, that we are going to, uh, to continue to build on this so that when the new arrivals do arrive in Conference USA, that they know what's up. They know who's who there and, and, and who runs the roost. And, and so I think for, for UTEP, this is a really important year of just continuing what they did last year and proving that they are on the rise so that when the newly reconstituted Conference USA does take shape, they are very clearly in the upper echelon of it. Greg, I want to ask you, before we get to high school, coming up after the break, you guys did such a good job in this magazine covering all the Texas schools. You've got SEC previews, Big 12 previews. We mentioned uh, CUSA. you got the national previews as well, mm-hmm. the all-Texas uh, teams for offense and defense, and not to mention the American Athletic Conference. So it seems like even though Texas is your focus, you really give people that buy the magazine uh, almost that national feel wrapped up mm-hmm. in with all the Texas schools. Yeah, you know what? We wanted it to be a Texas-centric, holistic approach to football is really what we're looking to, to, to give you. That when you pick it up, that yeah, look, we're, we're going to mention that Ohio State's going to be pretty darn good. We're also going to tell you that one of the reasons they're going to be pretty darn good is because of the Texans that they have on it, things like that. So we want to give you that, that feel and put, uh, put the Texas football into context. Because, look, when we say that we think that uh, Texas A&M is going to be pretty good, what does that mean? You know, do, does that mean that we think Texas A&M is going to win uh, their conference? Does it mean that we think con- they're going to win uh, the national championship? You know, same thing with a program like, uh, you know, what we were talking, you're talking about Houston. We think Houston has an opportunity to be really good. What does that mean? Essentially, we want to give you the context to say that when we say Houston's going to be pretty good, we think that they're an outside shot to win, to, to make it to the college football playoff. 
to be what Cincinnati was last year. So that's what's really important for us is, is to focus on Texas and, and, and make no bones about who what we are about. We are about the Lone Star State, but to at least put it in the proper context of the grander scheme of college football, uh, that's really important, and that's, that's something that, uh, that, that people have come to expect from us. More with Greg Tepper as we continue here on Sports Talk, but first let's go right back to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Thank you very much. We're back right now with managing editor Greg Tepper from uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. All right, let's get to the uh, the coaches and the high school uh, teams. Uh, by the way, congratulations to a couple of individuals in the 40 under 40 coaches. Mark Torres mm-hmm. made the list from Pebble Hills and Barrick Neely, UTEP assistant head coach, also mm-hmm. on that list. That's a lot of fun. The 40 under 40 that's in this year's book, as well as Ruben Torres getting the high school coach of the year award for 2A after what he did in Marlin last year. Yeah, well, what he was able to do at, at Marlin after after moving uh, from the 905 out, out to Central Texas at the 2A level was, was truly astounding. And to, to bring them to a state semifinal, really uh, within a couple of plays and make it into a title game, uh, was, was awfully impressive. But yeah, you know, that's one of the things we've started recently is the, the 40 under 40, uh, uh, honoring young coaches. And I think that, uh, you know, what, what you see with, uh, with what they, what, uh, coach has been able to do at El Paso Pebble Hills has been impressive. And then you look at Coach Neely there at UTEP and, and, and a guy who I think is really helping to shape the culture out there, uh, under Coach Dana Demel. Uh, he's, he's a star in the making. If he's not a star already, he's a household name. I think he should be. And, and he's a guy that, uh, that I think is, is a rising star in the coaching ranks. All right, let's jump out to uh, to the high school ranks right now. And I always like to ask this question as we start the year: uh, Will this be the year that any uh, you know five A, six A Texas high school can make a deep run into the state playoffs, Greg? I think that there are a couple of options in the six A and five A ranks. Most most notably in the five A. When you get up to six A, uh, you know the problem for for the El Paso teams is that they're all you know, in that one district, District 1, 6A, and they're going to get to the Metroplex in a hurry. And that's, that's going to be very difficult. I think the best of the bunch is probably the aforementioned El Paso, Pebble Hills. Coach Torres, he's got a quarterback, Gail Ochoa, back. Uh, Jacob Ledesma is certainly worth the price of admission. They're going to get him the ball in a lot of interesting ways. I think they're the best bet to make a run in the 6A ranks, but I think that they would be underdogs in, 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 to, to do it. Uh, when you take a look at 5A, that's where you get a few more options, and I, I would particularly look at 5A Division Two. Uh, a team that made the most notable uh, deep run most recently would be Canatillo. Uh, they're in, in District 1, 5A Division II. Uh, I think they're the favorites there, and I think that uh, Region 1 of 5A Division Two is maybe maybe lacking in a true bona fide certified alpha. You know, you have Argyle moving up from 4A Division One. Uh, how do they handle the transition? Wichita Falls Ryder has been a consistent contender there. They, they look to be the same. This year, probably the biggest hurdle, I would say, Colleyville Heritage as well, great find. But Canatillo, I would say, is not too far behind them, that if things break right, and most especially if they're able to find uh, you know, uh, uh, some answers at quarterback, then Canatillo in the 6A and 5A ranks would probably be the best bet uh, to make a deep run in the uh, in the playoffs. Greg, could we ever see a situation where a 6A school has the opportunity to have that magical year? Because you mentioned how difficult it is once you get out of by district and you start getting into area. Uh, you know, it's just it's not easy for those schools to go and go far into the playoffs. And it's tough because you don't want to start in June when this magazine comes out and look at the 6A ranks and go, well, eh, just 
you know, let's let's win district and call it a call it a season. You want to see a school make a good run. So you kind of wonder what would need to happen in El Paso in order to see six A schools have that kind of success like we see in the five A ranks. Yeah, you know, the, the the first issue for me, the first thing that, that that I think these El Paso teams have to start doing is is consistently beating the the teams from West Texas, the teams that they see in the first round. You know, for example, we like El Paso Pebble Hills, think that they're going to win District One Six A. They've got a first round matchup with Odessa Permian. That's the kind of game that you have to establish as okay, we can go toe to toe with Permian, we can win this game, especially if we're able to get them out to El Paso uh, to play that first round playoff game. But then, you know, look, it gets tough. It, let's let's just say hypothetically that Pebble Hills were to beat Permian in a first-round matchup. Well, then they're drawing U.S. Trinity. And you're not just talking about a really good team. You're, uh, in, you're talking about one of the very best teams in, in the state right out of the chute in the second round. That's a difficult thing. And, and so a lot of what really has to come down, you know, if, if you're looking for a team that, that could make a run, maybe it's a team like El Paso Eastwood, right? If they drop to the Division II bracket, uh, they've got, I think that they're, the El Paso teams are going to have their best chances at the 6A level when they're at the Division II bracket. And at that point, things are a little bit, you know, you're not – taking on the Allens of the world, these behemoth programs, you maybe have an opportunity to, to make a little bit of a, a run there. It kind of comes down to a couple of things. One, I think you got to have a, a couple of one or two individual superstars, a guy who are, who are capable of taking over a game or like Canatillo did a few years ago, have that kind of lockdown defense that can, that can just, uh, Take, take away your best opponent. And then furthermore, I think you just got to get, got to get a little bit lucky with the draw and see what you can do as far as uh, teams make it, teams qualifying, make it so that you get a little bit of a manageable draw as opposed to, you know, the real meat grinder that these teams are thrown into in region one, they immediately get into the playoffs and they're immediately having to play, you know, top tier opponents. That's one of the problems with El Paso simply because of geography that they have to draw teams from the Metroplex in the second round of the playoffs. That's a tough draw in the six, a ranks. Uh, especially because a lot of the, the, the power is centralized in the 6A in, in the DFW Metroplex. Greg Tepper, managing editor, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine with us here on Sports Talk. Look, my biggest problem when it comes to the playoffs is that if you want to try to get a home game, you've got to win a series of coin flips. And Greg, it's 2022 already. I mean, we're not talking about 1975 and, and going about. Now, luckily, we don't deal with penetrations like we did back in the 70s when it comes to state playoff games. But the truth is... Think about what we're talking about here. You have to win a coin flip just to see if you can get home and home, and then you got to try mm-hmm. to win it again. I mean, it's it's there's yep. there's a reason why so many El Paso schools play neutral site because they find mm-hmm. that it's almost impossible to get lucky enough to try to host a game. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what it comes down to, right? You know, I think that everybody would 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 say that getting a team out, to, you know, let's go back to that example of El Paso Pebble Hills and Ulysses Trinity. Uh, the best chance I would say for Pebble Hills to, to to win that game would be to get Trinity to make that long drive, that ten hour drive out to El Paso, and, and make them play in your barn. Um, but there's so many things that have to go right there, and so I don't I don't blame these coaches for saying, you know what. We can play at Ratliff Stadium in Odessa, or we can play at, at Grande Communication Stadium in Midland. We can meet halfway, and we can, you know, give, give them their best shot. But, you know, the problem is that, that that's just, you know, the, those programs are presently dealing with under different circumstances. And, and Yules Trady is a perennial contender. El Paso Pebble Hills is a program that, that's trying to, get, trying to get to that level. Now, one thing I think is interesting, and, and the gatefold cover, the secondary cover of our magazine, is, is I think proof positive that, that, it can, that anybody can do it. You take a look at what South Oak Cliff did last year. South Oak Cliff, uh, a little bit of a different situation in the sense that they are an inner-city program. But, I mean, this is a program that, that uh, the, the students – 
in 2015 staged a walkout just so they could get some attention so that they could get the, the roaches out of their building. I mean, it was a program that, or a school that was falling apart. Uh, but they, I think what uh, Jason Todd and South Oak Cliff Golden Bears proved is that those circumstances can be overcome if you're willing to, uh, you know, if there are the right things come together, if you're able to put together the right kind of program. So uh, I think that they were proof that, that, you know, there was a lot of people who thought that an inner city program, a Dallas ISD program would never win a title again. Well, here South Oak Cliff proved that. It just takes one for a, for a team in El Paso, that, that we say that the circumstances are stacked against them. That is the case. But at the same time, all it takes is one special team, one special year, and maybe one or two things breaking your way uh, to then open up the floodgates, and then that inspires those other programs out there to, that they can do it as well. If you want to uh, check out this year's uh, magazine, and the uh, title is called Forged on Friday. For Dave Campbell, check it out. Uh, it's available now. Easiest way to get it, Greg, is probably just to go to TexasFootball.com and order it online, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. We'll mail it directly to you, uh, and we are we are happy to uh, to to share with you what we've uh, come up with for the for the football season. We're excited about it. This is our first magazine uh, without our founder and editor-in-chief, Dave Campbell, passed away in December, so we really want to make this one uh, a special one. We think we did a pretty good job, and we sure hope that, that folks are going to enjoy it. Final question before I wrap it up. Uh, what is your favorite feature for this year's magazine? Ooh, okay, so uh, both of the both of the cover features are excellent. Mike Craven wrote the feature about Joey McGuire and Jeff Trailer and about their rise and what they represent for high school football or for high school football coaches in in the college ranks. That one's really good. And then the South Oak Cliff story written by our own Ishmael Johnson is absolutely fantastic as well. Um, I also I'm a sucker for our recruiting coverage. I think our recruiting stuff is really really good, and I think we've taken a step forward. We've got our Hot 100, which is the 100 best prospects in the class of 2023, including I believe. A couple of kids that, that UTEP are, are really hot after in that hot 100. Uh, that's one that that's something that I'm really excited about. And then uh, I would just say that if you take a look at if you can really dig into the nitty gritty of our high school co- coverage. I mean, our high school coverage I think is second to none nationally. Uh, you're never going to find any any other program or any other magazine in the state or any, any other, uh, rather publication in the world that's going to cover a, as much football and cram as much information as we do into those back you know 216 odd pages. So uh, it's 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 a labor of love. I'm, I'm awful proud of it. I'm awful proud of the team to put it together, and uh, uh, we are, uh, we're thrilled for people to, to pick it up and tell us what they think. Nicely done. Greg, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and uh, let's get a chance to do it again when we get a little bit closer to the season starting up. Sounds like a plan. Y'all take care. Greg Tepper with us. Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. All right, 18 in front of five. Come back with more in a moment. Sports Talk continues right here. Dave DeFore, 20 minutes away on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk continues. Dave DeFore coming up top of the hour. We'll talk about the big news. Kyrie opting in to stay with the Brooklyn Nets. 30 million reasons why. But I'll tell you something else. Kyrie needs to, I don't want to say rebuild his brand, but he's probably never been perceived at a lower value than he is right now. Think about what happened. Hardly played last year because of COVID. When he did come back, it was more of a distraction than anything else. I mean, Kyrie, if he's going to make money after this season, he's got to have the kind of year where franchises are willing to invest in him for another four or five years, and it's not there right now. 
No, it's not. He's 29 years old. He played 29 games this past season. The year before that, 54. The year before that, 20. 67 in Boston when he joined them at age 26 years old. Stevie doesn't play full seasons. That's the bottom line with Kyrie Irving. Does not play 82 games. You're you're getting him. If you're getting him for more than 65 games, then I would be excited. Yeah, I would pay that kind of money to Kyrie Irving, especially knowing that you're getting him for a postseason run. But if you know that you're getting Kyrie Irving in every Everything that comes with him off the court. Yeah, I, I don't know. Right now, I'm not spending 30 plus million dollars a year if I'm a, a team right now who's trying to build my franchise around a, a certain star. I'm not throwing that kind of money to Kyrie Irving. No way. No way around it. How about this? When Nick fans are voting Jalen Brunson over Kyrie Irving, that should tell you all you need to know about Kyrie's value. Because the Knicks are about as bad a franchise as it gets when it comes to stars uh, choosing uh, New York. And if Nick fans would rather see Jalen Brunson than Kyrie Irving, that tells you all you need to know. I would probably side with the Knicks fans there. And then for the Laker fans who are upset that they did not cash out on the sweepstakes for Kyrie, come on, let's be real. Kyrie left Cleveland because he didn't want to be with LeBron. I, let's be real. Let's let's have a real conversation about this. Th- those were just uh, fantasy fever dream ideas that you would get Kyrie Irving if you're a Laker fan. No, uh, Kyrie is staying in Brooklyn now. How about the quote? Normal people keep the world going, but those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. How long do you think it took Kyrie to come up with that one? Oh, man, I can't stand Kyrie. This took all all but two seconds. Man, oh, man. All right. I, I can't wait to ask Dave DeFore about this. He'll join us next to begin hour number two. Sports Talk continues right here on 600. It's ESPN El Paso. All right, start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Oh, man, Adrian, you know it's a treat whenever we get a chance to hook up with our next guest on the show. Oh, you're right, Steve. And we get to do it with some breaking news behind it as well. What do we plan this? Yes. I mean, is this honestly what we all thought it that would happen when we put this whole show together? Yes, we thought that Sham Sharani would be giving us some breaking news 15 minutes before we'd have Dave DeFore on the show. Man. Let's do it. Let's 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 get him on. I mean, let's save a waste of any time. Yeah, folks, uh, we are always thrilled and privileged when we get a chance to have Dave DeFore join us on the program, and that is uh, the case right now since he is busy. He is all over social media, as you might imagine, host and producer for uh, The Athletic. He's all over the podcasts, not to mention the scouting director as well for uh, Sports Biz Class, and uh, he's all the way at the summer camp. So he's at the summer leagues right now. He's everywhere. Uh, Dave, all I can tell you is we, uh, we we were given a gift from the gods today with this news of uh, Kyrie deciding to opt in and stay with Brooklyn. Well, you know, listen, man, the world is run by normal people. That's how the world operates. I'm down at my local Lowe's because I wanted to see how the normal people live. And I'm just glad that there's a world where we have a difference maker, a Kyrie Irving just being so brave today and accepting $37 million to play a child's game. I mean, it's an amazing world that we live in. Congratulations to Kyrie Irving. $37 million. That's great. Well, let's so start. Brave. Yeah, let's start first about how long do you think it took Kyrie to come up with his statement that he was going to make on social media when he decided to opt in? Oh, man, I feel like he had to have this one in the drafts for at least a week, right? Like, once 
I mean, if you think about how fast this whole process played out, it maybe it was only even five days that he had this in the drafts because we get the leaks a couple of days ago that, okay, Kyrie, you're free to go look for sign and trades. And everything we all heard was there's no market for Kyrie. Maybe the Lakers might want him. I think that this opt-in uh, kind of lets us know that they're not all that interested unless it's going to be an opt-in and then a trade, uh, which I, I just don't see coming. Um, yeah, he had to have that in the draft for a few days. I mean, this guy has decided that he is a martyr. And it's funny because usually martyrs don't know they're martyrs. But, but Kyrie's just built different, I guess. When New York Knicks fans have all decided on social media that they would much rather have Jalen Brunson than Kyrie Irving, does that say all we need to know in terms of Kyrie's perception in New York and and, and really, uh, you know, Nick fans, let's be honest, they, they've missed out on every big-name free agent in the last 20 years, and they're still saying, uh, well, we don't want them. So that, that kind of gives you a little bit of a gauge as to uh, what his value is like right there in the, uh, you know, uh, in, in the New York area. Well, I think Nick's fans are like most basketball fans, and they want players to play for their team that actually play. Kyrie doesn't really play a lot of basketball, even without a vaccine mandate. This guy misses a lot of games. He's hurt all the time. If you look at the run that he's been on since that awful playoff performance where he just quit on the Boston Celtics, I mean, this guy has just not played a lot of basketball in the, six, in the last six years. Uh, it seems like a lot of trouble for a guy that you're, you're, you, know, you get the privilege to pay 40-something million dollars to, which, by the way, He's going to need another contract, and he's going to get one next summer. So uh, maybe you're signing up for $45, $50 million if you bring in Kyrie Irving. So, you know, I just think for the privilege of that, I mean, if you're a Knicks fan, you actually want to watch your players play. Jalen Brunson's going to play, you know, 75 to 82 games for the Knicks. Now, no more than that because they're not making the playoffs. But, you know, (laughs) at least Jalen Brunson will be at MSG every night. And with Kyrie, you never know, man. I mean, this guy – he may be on the path to playing 50 games a season for the rest of his career because he's never been taught that you have to show up to work. So I think that if you're Knicks fans, you're, you're probably a little bit smarter uh, than the average fan. They can see this coming from a mile away. Could you imagine the circus and the hoopla around Kyrie Irving just sitting out games all the time playing for the Knicks? I, I know that it would rub a, a – it would it – would, leave a, a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of fans. It's already doing it with Brooklyn fans. I wonder what kind of taste it's leaving in the mouth of Kevin Durant right now. How would you predict uh, his reaction is when he heard the news? I'm sure he was not uh, pumped because it seemed like he, he's a little bit annoyed in this whole thing. Like, I give KD a lot of credit for some stuff, and then I take away credit for other things. But one of the things that I like to credit KD for is a guy is a basketball player. He wants to play in every single game. I mean, he was hurt, and they had to keep him out of game. You know, like, this is a guy, he is looking at every opportunity to be on the court, and he wants to win, and the guy is a winner. And he just chose bad teammates. You know, whether it was DeAndre Jordan, Kyrie Irving, you know, engineering this trade for James Harden that didn't work out because James Harden got annoyed with Kyrie Irving. You know, this is the thing about making your bed, right? You can make your bed, but you're going to have to lay in it. And right now, KD, the GM... It's having, you know, it has, has made an awful sloppy bed for KD the player, and it seems like Brooklyn may wind up with neither of these guys if things play out the way that we're, we're sort of hearing some of this reporting going. You know, if they move Kyrie, Brooklyn may risk 
KD acting out. And now you've got this whole mess, and they went through all these hoops. They tore down a team that they had kind of built internally and developed to get these guys, and what did they get out of it? They were close to making a finals. They were, they were the half shoe size that KD likes to wear his shoes oversized, half a shoe size away from making the finals that one year. But is that enough for what you've given up? I, I think ownership there in Brooklyn has decided they're done with it. The, the circus just isn't worth it. They just want to have a basketball team. And frankly, that's all we want. Just play basketball. Let's just play basketball. You're making $40 million a year. I don't understand, man. It's a child's game. Imagine if someone offered you five dollars to go shoot hoops, you would probably take it. So you would think thirty-seven million, everybody'd be happy, but uh, you can't win every battle. If Kyrie just shut up and played basketball and had one great season where he was healthy, he was productive, he didn't uh, distract anybody on the team, he could set himself up for the rest of his career, money-wise. But I don't know if it's in his DNA to do something like that. Well, between what he's made in the league and what he gets from endorsements, I mean, he doesn't have to play another game ever. Right? He's set for life. The guy doesn't have to work, which, you know, that's a whole side conversation. Why athletes continue to play when they clearly don't want to? But I think we all know the answer. It's money. So adding $40 million to your bank account, that's pretty nice. So I'm with you, though, man. I do think uh, he's a wonderful basketball player. We all love to watch him. He plays a beautiful style to watch. Not on the defensive end. I mean, I guess it's beautiful if you like to see all offense. But the guy plays amazing basketball. He's so much fun to watch. It's picturesque. His beautiful footwork, amazing handle. He can go left. He can go right. He can shoot right. He can shoot left. If he would just play for a season, I mean, we've seen it before because the guy used to actually just play basketball. I mean, when he was available. So if he could get, if he could go somewhere, and, and again, health is going to be an issue for him. We know that. But if he can be either in Brooklyn or somewhere else and give 65 productive games and not give 65 weird, uh, lacking self-awareness quotes, I think everybody would be pumped and everyone would be happy. And you would see a lot of people saying, well, Kyrie is a player. He needs a four-year max now. Whereas right now, no one does. No one feels that way. He has no market amongst teams in the league. Everyone could have been making trade packages for him, and no one did. So, you know, I think it tells us a lot about his standing around the league, and I think the only way to rehabilitate that standing and that image and that perception is to actually go out and just do your job, which is play basketball. Dave, why do you think this didn't work in Dallas, where uh, they were the Mavs were, um, I, I guess, a, uh, a team that was on the list for Kyrie Irving as potential places he would sign? Why do you think Dallas was not aggressive in trying to pursue for Kyrie? Well, you know, that's Luca's team, and, and the vibes matter a lot. And I think the last thing you want to do if you're an organization that has a young star of any sort, much less someone of Luca's stature, stature, the last thing you want to do is upset the apple cart. You don't want to be bringing in a guy like Kyrie who we already know. I mean, he, he's a bad apple. He's going to poison the bunch. He's done it every single stop so far. And so I think at this point, the track record is who you are until you prove otherwise. And I think for the Dallas Mavericks, they made the right call, man. They're sticking. This is Luka's team. They don't need any of that drama. They don't need that. I mean, frankly, the Dallas Mavericks have enough of their own off-the-court drama from their organization that they shouldn't bring anyone in to mess up the basketball part because that's the one part where everything is going well. So I think if you look at Dallas' situation, they got a really good team. Breaking that team up in however you would have to do it to get Kyrie likely makes you worse because Kyrie is not dependable at all.
Dave DeFore with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Now, this is not a good NBA free agent class. When you look really top to bottom, it's lacking the star power that we've seen in other years, and some of the biggest names look like they're going to be uh, re-signing with their club, which kind of makes me wonder. I mean, we brought him up earlier, and you even mentioned Jalen Brunson to the Knicks. Um, is it guaranteed? Could Dallas decide, you know what, weak free agent class, yeah, we'll overspend. Brunson's value to Luka and the Mavs is much where we don't, we don't want to see him leave and go to New York. Um, is that the case this time around, or do you think that, you know, teams, if you're aggressive like the Knicks who have freed up all this money, could be able to get uh, one of those kind of names like Brunson and, and, and bring him on board? Well, let's just start there, right? A name like Brunson, who is leading the free agent class, tells you everything you need to know about the class of free agency that we're dealing with this summer. Jalen Brunson is a nice player. Jalen Brunson might get $25 million from the Knicks or maybe the Mavericks because they still have his rights. They can, you know, they can match and they can keep him. But they, he might make $25 million. That tells you what the free agency class is like right now. Free agency is kind of dead. I don't know if you've noticed, but all these extensions, especially the max extensions, a lot of extending trades, sign-in trades, they've sort of killed free agency. It's more about that free agency, getting these guys under contract before their contracts expire, which, of course, agents love because you know your guy is going to make money. And then they flip the asset later. That's kind of the way that the NBA has moved. And so, you know, uh, unfortunately for the league, they take away a lot of drama from a day that used to be a banner day for them. I mean, right now, like, moving the deadline up at 6 p.m. Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern. And it used to be midnight. And they moved the deadline up, but there's no drama involved anymore whatsoever. You, you pretty much know where people are going. It's going to be, like, sort of role players and, uh, you know, like fifth starters that'll move and things of that nature but no big names and I think that this is just kind of how it's going to be until the, the CBA gets updated which should be next year uh, unless they do more to change these contracts because the league got smart front offices got super smart and they they've locked down these assets players are happy to take the money and the contract, because they know no matter what, they can get traded. I mean, Bradley Beal is going to probably sign a massive contract, and everyone's going into that knowing you got about one season before he asks for a trade and you're looking for a new home. So, I don't know, man. The contracts themselves don't have a lot of value outside of the money attached as far as you know, keeping these groups together with team and player in their partnership. Uh, it's all about flipping it to the next thing for, for both the player and the team. And so, I, I think that when you look at free agency, it's going to be dead, and that's why. So I expect a bunch of trades. Look for trades. Good. We will be looking for trades. And I'll tell you something else. We're going to keep an eye on the NBA Summer League. Maybe that's going to be the most fun we're going to have, especially with a former UTEP player uh, like Bryson Williams trying to make a name for himself with Miami as an unsigned uh, or an undrafted free agent. So for a lot of us around here, I think the NBA Summer League could be the highlight of our summer. Well, it's actually the highlight of my summer every summer, and it's because I can relate to the to the guys that are showing up at summer league, especially the grinders, the guys that are playing in Europe, you know, the guys who are looking to get a two way spot or a G League roster spot. Because I've been that guy my whole life, man. I, you know, I'm a hustler, I'm a scrapper, and summer league is for hustlers and scrappers. And so it's some of my favorite basketball. Everyone's playing hard. It's got great summer vibes. Um, it is to me as a fan of just the game of basketball. Forget the NBA. I only care about the game. 
as a, as a guy who just loves the game of basketball, it's hard to find a more enjoyable watch than NBA Summer League. I mean, it, it really is fun. I highly recommend everybody watching it. I think it's on ESPN uh, for most of the games, man. And if you, if you can get up to Vegas, you got to get out to Vegas because it's so much fun. You just see crazy stuff. Players can get 10 fouls. You know, I saw a 10-foul foul out once. Don Maker. It was, it was beautiful. He actually had a triple-double with fouls. That's a beautiful thing. I love that. That's the way to go. Um, and for you, what are you going to be uh, doing over there at the NBA Summer League Games? Well, you know, Sports Business Classroom kicks off on the 10th of July, and we're, we're helping people get into the business of basketball, whether that's a scouting job or trying to get on a, on a coaching staff somewhere. We've got people who do media and broadcasting, trying to make a name for themselves uh, you know, online and, and in other publications. And then, of course, Larry Kuhn teaches the – CBA and salary cap course to all the wannabe cap guys and all the wannabe GMs um, who I got to tell you, man, if you're trying to make it happen, sports business classroom is kind of the move for that. So I get to do that all week, man. So I get to watch guys fighting for their dreams, trying to make them come true. And then I get to spend my downtime when I'm not watching the basketball fighting for other people and helping them make their dreams come true as well. So yeah, summer league is super special to me. And so is Sports Business Classroom. So I appreciate you giving me a second to talk about it. Good stuff. Dave, always great uh, having a chance to talk to you on the show. Thanks for the time, and uh, look forward to our next conversation here on Sports Talk. Yeah, we'll talk this summer. There he is, folks. Dave DeFore, like you said, he's a con He shops at Lowe's like the rest of us, not like Kyrie. But that's another story entirely. Come back with more in a moment right after Charlie One, who's hanging out with this traffic update. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. That is 505-6009. Get you right on in and through to the program. All right. Also, looks like Tyrone McDuffie will soon be making it official and announcing his college choice. And this is going to be really interesting, Adrian, because when it's all said and done, McDuffie's going power five, and this is probably someone that Dana Dimmel is going to be kicking himself because he wanted McDuffie as a priority for this year's class. In fact, um, uh, Tyrone McDuffie, one of Dave Campbell's top 300 this year from Parkland, but instead of uh, playing for the minors, the big uh, Matador offensive lineman is going to be taking his talents uh, to the power fives. That's exactly right, Steve. Tyrone McDuffie heading out to Colorado. Uh, he is a six foot three, three hundred pound inside offensive lineman who UTEP was targeting, and it wasn't just the minors. New Mexico State was also after him. Fresno State, the Lobos of New Mexico were after him. So he had a pretty good base of recruit uh, of teams who were looking at him in recruiting. And now he just makes it official. He's heading off to the Power Five ranks, joining the Pac-12, and heading off to Colorado, the second El Pasoan to do so since uh, Steven Montes went off to Colorado and starred as a quarterback over there for the Buffs. So, yeah, ex- for um, Colorado, getting another uh, guy out of El Paso to come over there. And if you're Dana Dimmel, hey, you prioritized getting a guy like Tyrone McDuffie. You wanted him. You realized the value. But despite UTEP's winning, how well they've played on the offensive line, commitment to keeping and going after the best players the city of El Paso has to offer, it's still so difficult to get somebody 
when you're dealing with Power 5 competition. Yeah, it's so interesting because I, I felt like out of the 2019 class, when you when uh, Dana Dimmel got uh, Dion Hankins, that was the splash signing that they got to kind of propel them forward. But since then, you haven't had your top-level prospect out of El Paso high school football ranks sign with UTEP. You have LJ Martin fielding Power 5 offers left and right. He's the star running back from Canyon Tio. He's another name that we have to watch out for in the coming months to see where he ends up uh, you know, committing to. And then you go and look off Tavoris Jones from last year. He was by far the, the best prospect in last year's class. He ends up going to Missouri, uh, and he's playing in the SEC. So there are a lot of guys out there that you, you, when we're talking about prioritizing, UTEP's looking at junior college transfers, graduate transfers, guys with uh, you know college experience. But when it comes to prioritizing the local kids, the standout local guys, just hasn't happened uh, for UTEP landing some of these big names locally. Well, I mean, and this is the question, okay? I think they're prioritizing local talent. But once again, you're not losing kids to New Mexico or um, New Mexico State or UTSA or North Texas or schools like that. You're losing them to Missouri. You're losing them to Colorado. I mean, that's the hardest part right now if you're trying to keep the best players in the city from leaving town. Now, what you got to hope is that, A, UTEP keeps winning, wins a bowl game, becomes the perennial power in the new-look CUSA in years to come, and then you got to hope that the best kids in town want to stay here, play for in front of friends and family, which is what it comes down to, and play on a winner. And really, we haven't been able to say that UTEP football is a winner uh, consistently for a while now. So that's what you hope to see from Dana Dimmel and company. And while that process is ongoing, Adrian, you also hope that some of the best players in town decide um, because, you know, passing up power fives to stay home and play for UTEP is not realistic, if you ask me. It really isn't. you got to have a, a, an athlete that really wants to stay close to home and, st- and play in front of their family. That's just what it comes down to, assuming their family can't go out and watch all their college games out of town the way some do once uh, once they're retired and decide that they want to dedicate their lives to go watch. Just like, um, you know, when you, you think about certain parents out there that make the trip, they're at every game, uh, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I look at somebody, I really like your example off that because I think that it is a Power 5 thing versus just a UTEP thing. Uh, you look at Aaron Dumas. When he ended up entering the transfer portal out of New Mexico, his first offer, in fact, the first day he was in the portal, UTEP went after him and they offered him and they wanted him to come back to El Paso, even knowing that they've got a, a great stable of running backs in their own backfield. So, uh, you know, Aaron Dumas ends up going to Washington, understandably so, another Power 5 school right there but it's just also a testament to El Paso area talent that's being sought after by the power five ranks it really the El Paso talent is being recruited now better than ever and it just goes to show you that as you said it's being recruited and there's quality here there's division one power five talent in El Paso Texas 
There is. There is year after year, and now uh, teams are just starting to find out that that's the case. Uh, there are guys who are across Power 5 rosters and who are going to continue to grow within those those uh, ranks. And so now, for El Paso kids, if you want a kid to stay here locally at UTEP, uh, they, UTEP's got to be on him early, and they've got to maintain a, a healthy relationship throughout their whole uh, you know high school career. And that might not be even enough to, to get them to stay here in El Paso. That's just the bottom line. Kids want to go to the Power 5 level, and it's hard to blame them. Yeah, I was going to say, even if you have a local stud whose first offer is UTEP, and UTEP is hot and heavy the entire time, all it takes sometimes is one Power 5 to come in, and that, that, that individual changes their philosophy immediately. It is so tough because up until now, UTEP has not been a consistent winner. But if you're putting 40000 in the Sun Bowl, you're going bowling every year, you're winning bowl games, you're cracking into the votes for top 25, it totally changes the perception of your local program. And that hasn't happened here. So that's kind of what needs to, to, to take place in order for some of the best talent in El Paso to think that they want to stay rather than go out of town. Yeah, and that makes me even think that uh, fans should even thank the local products who stayed here at locally. Like Ray Flores didn't have to stay here, didn't even have to play football, but he walked on the team, he earned himself a scholarship, and now the Isleta standout is one of the focal points of the UTEP football offense. You look at De- uh, Dion Hankins, he had offers from Arkansas, he had offers from Texas Tech. He could have easily gone the Power 5 route and instead uh, elected to stay here in El Paso and play for the Miners. So yeah, it, it makes the local players even more special when you kind of think about it. I agree with you. Uh, 505-6009 as we approach the midway point here on a Monday. Let's get back to Adrian right now. Standing by with this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Right, Adrian, thank you very much. Now listen, I know we don't get Vinny's very often in baseball. I, I okay. said his name correctly last week. Mm, you did. Just for the record. Just for the record. Okay. With Jeff Erickson. Pasquantino. Pasquantino. I was reading it yes. too quickly, man. It's okay. It's hard. I mean, we can call him. We can. We can call him Vinny, because that's what he is. He's a Vinny. I like it. But Vinny Pasquantino has been a monster in AAA. A monster, and he looks like he's built for a beer league, and he doesn't strike out. That's the key. Guy's got thirty-eight strikeouts, thirty, uh, thirty-seven walks. So, it's pretty impressive when you look at him. I love him. So, yeah, he's going to be fun. Fun to watch in Kansas City. Uh, Nick Prada was supposed to be the first baseman of the future. And then came Vinny Pasquantino. And that is all she wrote. So, if you're a Royals fan, it's exciting times. It's Vinny time, baby. They finally got rid of Carlos Santana. And now, now we know Vinny is going to be uh, making his debut tonight for the Royals. The number three prospect uh, out there for them. And uh, for Vinny, I'm just excited that he's getting this opportunity to be called up because I talked to Jeff Erickson last week saying, hey, it's going to happen any time, Jeff. Like, uh, we're, we're just ready. For, we're wa- uh, waiting for it. And uh, now now is the day, Steve. Now we're excited about uh, it's uh, Vinny time out in Kansas City, and we get a chance to see the number three prospect with them. I don't know if he breaks the lineup tonight if he gets in, if he's in the starting lineup or not. I got to see because I don't think he was in the original Royals starting lineup. They might be just calling him up as a result, but I'm telling you what, it's going to be awesome. It is going to be amazing. 
Uh, I am a, I am all over the Vinny bandwagon, by the way. I really am. I am a Pasquantino fan. So uh, I'm excited about that. But I'm looking at the first draft of tonight's starting lineup, and Vinny is not in there. So maybe he comes in as a pinch hitter tonight and makes his debut in pinch hitting role. That would be cool. He hit 280 with uh, Omaha, 18 homers, which is the third most in AAA uh, and by far the most for the Royals in their organization. And he's coming off the International League Player of the Month award for May. So uh, all eyes are on Vinny after a red-hot May. Let's see what he can do to close out June. I hope he's uh, – I think it's going to be special, though. I really do. So 505-6009, our telephone number gets you into Sports Talk. By the way – uh, Colin Deaver had the story today on Tyrone McDuffie, the third committing to the Colorado Buffaloes. How about this? Third El Pasoan in the class of 2023 to commit to a power five. Wow, that is awesome right there. I didn't realize that. Uh, I, I got to think of the other two. I mean, am I thinking KJ Lewis is the other one? And then uh, I, I'm not sure who the other one is. That's a, that's a really good mark, though, for El Paso. Well, wouldn't it also be, um, if I'm not mistaken, we just talked about him, uh, Missouri. Uh, uh, Tavoris? Tavoris yeah. Jones. Okay. He's in the class of 2023. Okay. Right? And then isn't there also a stud wide receiver who is oh, uh, going okay. power five? Okay, so we might be <clears throat> thinking of, uh, so LJ Martin is class of 2023. Uh, De- Demarion uh, Crest Daniels from Parkland, the standout wide receiver, he's also class of 2023. I believe Tavoris Jones just graduated here in the class of 2022 for Burgess. Uh, I believe he was a, uh, a senior this past year, so I think he's actually heading off to uh, Missouri right now. But I do So then that would be three guys who are like power five level in Daniels, McDuffie, and an L.J. Martin. Okay, that's good. But, but we don't know. But L.J. Martin has not committed to a Power 5 program, has he? No, he is not yet. That's right. All right. I'm trying to figure out who the other two are for sure from Collins' uh, tweet. Because he did say he's the third El Pasoan in the class of 2023. I stand corrected, Steve. I'm sorry about that. L.J. did. L.J. Martin did commit to Texas Tech. What okay. threw me off this weekend was he um, received an offer from Stanford. So when I saw the Stanford offer come in this weekend, I was thinking to myself, well, L.J. Martin is not necessarily committed to Texas Tech, which could end up being the case. Uh, D.J. Chris Daniels, he is somebody who also committed to Texas Tech. There and I is. did see that from, uh, from social media. So, so yes. Parkland actually has a pair of players this year. Who are going power five. That's right. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is. And they uh, they still don't necessarily have a uh, a really good outlook on what their program is going to look like. They recently hired a head coach, or they're, they're getting ready to do that right now. After uh, their previous head coach, Eric Franz, moved over to an administrative role in Socorro Independent School District. So, yeah, you've got two standouts and kind of a, un, like an uncertain football season ahead for this Parkland Matadors team. And what? L.J. Martin hasn't committed yet either, has he? Right. He so he'll not- be number four. Right, exactly. So yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting a-, a fall once this all shakes out. It sounds like a pretty special class, the class of 2023. I hope it actually means that um, El Paso is going to have a chance to have some big high school football seasons. Yeah, I hope so too. It's just spread out. You know, the talent is spread out throughout the city. It's still no excuse. You should try to get as far into the playoffs as possible, especially with uh, the, the shakeup that we've seen and reclassification and stuff like that throughout high school football. But hey, no excuse. Talent has gotten better in this city. This, this city should compete uh, year after year to try to go far in the playoffs. Pretty impressive. 39 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back. When we return, Adrian's movie reviews return. That's right. With you till 7 o'clock right here on 600 CSPN El Paso.
you know, I haven't heard this theme in a while. That's because we haven't had an Adrian uh, movie review in a while. So I'm excited to bring that back for you here at 48 past the hour. Man, Adrian, you must have a ton of movies to talk oh, yeah. about. I'm so You're ready. Loaded. I'm ready, Steve. I've got new ones. I've got old ones. I've got classic ones. I've got movie party ones. Good. We got a lot. I got a lot in store. I want to thank our friends at Alamo Draft House for making this possible. Adrian's movie review, where if you don't know the way this, if you don't know the story behind it, let me explain it to you. Months ago, we discovered Adrian lacked every classic film from the 80s. We took a whole show of ideas. We came up with a list of over 70 films. Adrian has been knocking them out one by one by one, going over them. His uh, movie review scale is uh, in bananas. A perfect score would be 10 out of 10, the golden banana. Only one or two have achieved that perfection so far. So let's find out what movie Adrian's going to talk about with uh, us here today. Steve, I've got a trio for everybody today because uh, I spent a lot of time at Alamo Drafthouse this past weekend. So for the first one, I want to give a huge shout-out to Alamo Drafthouse, who, by the way, they bring us this movie review after every movie review, drafthouse.com, to learn more about what we're going to talk about. They held a dirty dancing movie party. Uh, last week and uh, Joanna Barba of the Buzz Adams Morning Show she was the host for this event Uh, you can watch Dirty Dancing on Hulu on uh, Sling TV and on Fubo Fubo TV and uh, I thought this one was great I hadn't seen Dirty Dancing before I'm going to give a quick one for a quick review for Dirty Dancing 8 out of 10 bananas and uh, for the movie party 10 out of 10 it was so much fun to be out there you could sing along you could laugh along they had great props out there. Uh, they have this watermelon prop, Steve, that was so cool that people got a chance. It was like a red ball, but it looked like a watermelon. Oh, wow. It was perfect for the ending scene. So, uh, Oh, that sounds good. Um, that's one review. So two new reviews, uh, new movies, okay? So first one is the Elvis movie. By oh. the way, so by the way, I got a lot of great ones later on this week. I Look got, at this. Uh, I got uh, a movie called uh, Blade Runner. I've got a movie called Blue Velvet. Oh, the classics. I, I got some good ones coming later this week, but I'm going to give you two new ones that came out over this weekend that I went to Alamo Draft House and watched. Elvis, I got a chance to watch this over the weekend. Austin Butler is Elvis Presley. Uh, you might not think that Austin Butler looks like Elvis Presley. I thought he did a great job in this film. Uh, I don't necessarily like musicals, dramas, stuff like this. This doesn't necessarily, this isn't my cup of tea, but I thought this was a fantastic film that really detailed a lot about Elvis and what he did in his life. Most of it, I didn't know. I didn't know how much his manager was involved in this, Tom Hanks. Hanks was the uh, manager, who is Tom Parker. And uh, for all movie fans out there, you don't have to necessarily like music or Elvis. I recommend to watch this one. And then I got a chance to watch The Black Phone. This is the horror film that's uh, that's going out also in theaters. If you don't like horror films, if you don't like suspenseful films, don't watch this because this one will scare you. It gets under your skin. It's about a kidnapping. Uh, and it's about this guy who's a, who's called The Grabber. Disturbing, man. Very disturbing. Very, very. And if, uh, yeah, anybody who has kids, don't recommend watching this one because this is a tough one to watch. Um, I'm giving The Black Phone, I'm giving this one 7 out of 10 bananas. And then the Elvis movie, I'm giving this one 9 out of 10 bananas. Wow. Anybody out there, you got to check this one out for sure. Okay, so let's recap. Elvis gets 
Nine out of ten bananas. Yes. Black Phone gets seven out of ten bananas. Correct. What held Black Phone back from a better score? I think that the ending was bad. You know, if you watch some of these horror films, they don't really tie the loose ends at the end. The ending was not strong. I didn't did like it. Did it set up for a sequel? Yes. It okay. Did. It did. So we could have a Black Phone 2. Yes, we could. We okay. Could. That's good. Would it be the Black Phone 2 or would it be White Phone? Maybe, maybe a white phone. It's uh, it's all about the kind of mysterious phone that's in there where uh, yep. where all these kids are being stored, unfortunately. I've heard. Um, And then as far as uh, Dirty Dancing goes. Eight out of ten bananas. Really enjoyed this film. And Steve, Patrick Swayze, I, I think I'm seeing all the best when it comes to Patrick Swayze. So, you are. Yeah, I'm really Point excited. Point Break. Yeah. A dirty Dancing. Uh, there's good ones you've seen there. Oh, yeah. I, and I, I'm looking forward to watching Ghost from uh, Patrick Swayze, I never too. saw you've never seen Ghost. No, that's okay. also on my, on my list. Nice. Nice. Did you like Jennifer Grey in the movie? Yes, I did. I did. Okay. Yes. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Yeah, that, that was uh, that's why they had the props out. They that's... had those props ready to go. Oh, so you actually got to watch the Dirty Dancing, and it was like just, I mean, just a party. Yeah, movie party out of Alamo Drafthouse. It was so much fun. Do you recommend those movie parties for people that have never been to one before? For those of anybody who hasn't been to a movie party and loves classic films like we're talking about, it's an experience where everybody's quoting the film, but okay. not disturbing quoting the film. It's kind of like a sing-along in a way. Uh, you get a you get special props where everybody gets to use throughout the film, which is a lot of fun. And sometimes they'll give a curated menu for these uh, movie wow. par- parties, so they'll have a special menu for them. So yeah, I recommend uh, just checking out their website and seeing the next movie party and trying to get tickets for it. Was the menu like uh, going to the Poconos back in the uh, in, in the sixties? I didn't see the actual item that they had for Dirty Dancing, but okay. they had a they did have a cocktail, a special cocktail, I believe. Very nice. All right. Good job today, Adrian, on that. Appreciate uh, those reviews. I love the new ones coming out, too, because there's a lot of good movies out. A lot of good ones. I mean, think about it. Lightyear just came out. Yeah. We've got Top Gun. You mentioned the Elvis movie. There's soon going to be a David Bowie uh, biopic that's coming up there in the, in the near future. Then you got Minions coming up. And before you know it, the new Thor. Oh, it is. There is so much good, good quality mo- you know, cinema coming out. It's, you got to see it. Oh, yeah, and, and stuff out that's right now. So I know that people right now are kind of like recapping all the Thor movies, kind of getting ready for the next one. Nope for all the horror fan, uh, movie lover fans out there. Jordan Peele's back with another film. There's Jurassic World that's out. I haven't seen that, but I need to. Uh, yeah, a lot of great oh, stuff for flicks. Love it. All right, here we go, folks. Final hour right around the corner. We'll do it next. The Sports Talk continues right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, here we go. Final hour on Sports Talk as we get going. Along with Adrian Broaddus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. If you're just tuning in, we've talked a little basketball today with Dave DeFore. We've talked Dave Campbell's Texas football with Greg Tepper. We've talked movies with Adrian. We've talked a little bit of everything here on the program. That's what it's all about. So... If you want to weigh in on any of the topics that uh, have been on the radio so far, 505-6009, that is our telephone number. That is 505-6009. We'd love to hear from you on anything we've discussed, uh, either so far or things we haven't uh, yet uh, talked about on the program. Chihuahua's back at home tomorrow. I'm excited about that. Hey, by the way, um, I don't know if you played the audio on the air did you play the audio of Carson Haggerty? Oh yeah, we had to. That was like I, th- I think that's the thing we led off with. That was the greatest. I mean, I can't explain it, but here's what I told Tim, because you know, 
uh, Carson reminds me a little bit of Joel because Joel has been on the radio since he was about two, and he's fearless on the radio. You just give him a give him a microphone and a headset, and and he's pretty much ready to go. Uh, Carson's the same way, except when I put Joel on the radio, Joel doesn't think he's talking to a a stadium full of fans. I think he's, you know, kind of understands a little bit of the idea of what we do and, and how it works. Carson thought that when he was on the radio for Father's Day, he was talking to the entire ballpark and was shocked when the ballpark did not react to one of his jokes when he was involving audience participation during the joke, which I thought was classic. So, again, I am uh, I am a huge um, Haggerty family fan. Whether it's Tim, his wife Heather, the family, I, I know the in-laws, uh, and now obviously, and I'm talking about Don and Teresa, who are great people. See them a lot, and now I'm adding uh, you know Carson's broadcasting ability to the show. Carson is not that far away from doing a full nine-inning game with his dad. That is coming up sooner rather than later. You realize that, right? Yeah, I mean, next Father's Day, I think every time they've stretched it out. Like, next Father's Day, it's the whole game, right? I mean, like... I don't know. What do you, what do you give him right now? You give him half an inning? I, I think a couple innings. Oh, I, you actually gave him I, a couple innings? I, I think that's what... Well, so that's what Angel said. I don't know if that's the case. Um, I will tell you this. When he played that... When we played that audio, and when you watch the video, you watch Carson pan around all of Southwest University Park. Like, he's looking yep. at, at everybody, trying to see... If anybody will raise their hand, and then yes. the look on his face when he just realizes his dad is the only one raising his hand and laughing at the joke that he thinks is funny—that's the be- that's the most priceless moment of that whole clip. I, I love that yeah. part. It was great because you're right. Carson was wondering what happened. It was almost like uh, you know you're on the Tonight Show and you, you you bomb and you don't know what's going on. Now now Carson's jokes were great, by the way. I, I thought that he had three zingers, one after another after another. But, you know, the the thing is, he didn't realize that the whole stadium wasn't listening to him. He thought they were all tuned into him. And you're right. He was looking around, and he couldn't understand why nobody was, uh, was you know, was, was, was laughing. And, and even when Tim gave him his explanation as to why they can't hear him, he still looked a little bummed. So, like, Tim had to help him back into the mix because he was on he was in a groove. Like, Carson was on a roll. He was. And then he had to help him out with the tree joke, just kind of get him started. And once Carson had that one going, the cow one to close things off was, uh, was icing on the cake. But he wasn't afraid. That's what I love. Like, you can tell that to Carson, the broadcast booth is like his living room. I mean, that's the best part. Uh, and I can't wait to tell that to Tim tomorrow when he joins us about this time tomorrow during our final countdown. And I can say, man, you know, Carson just, he killed it. That's the best way to put it. It was so much fun to get a chance to watch that. I thought that was a great baseball moment. It made awfulannouncing.com and uh, was was trending nationally. Because of, uh, you know, you don't get that very often. You don't you don't get a chance to see a five- or six-year-old in the booth uh, throwing jokes at their left and right. There could have been uh, 500,000 people who watched that video, and I still would have said that's not enough. Because I think the whole world needed to see that video. They would have uh, loved it. They would have laughed. And uh, Carson Haggerty, he is a star in the making, for sure. 
Speaking of minor league baseball, Notorious BLU at MC underscore Horrible tweeted us earlier today a photo of the Midland Rockhounds Road baseball cap. Here's what he wrote. Check out the Rockhounds cap. This should be UTEP's. Anyhow, size 8 ordered, and I'm just going to front. Actually, they're an athletics minor league squad, so I'm actually right on target. Hashtag go athletics. Now, I'm just going to say this for the notorious BLU. This ball cap, I have never seen it before, ever. And this cap, to me, looks like, in all honesty, the coolest UTEP cap that's not a UTEP cap. That's the best way to put this. Because you have a pair of picks with orange handles and a blue and white outline meeting together in the middle, forming an M, which is for Midland, but it could be for minors. And you have a blue Texas map in the background. Once again, I am telling you this because it is 100% true. This would be the coolest looking UTEP hat that is not really a UTEP hat. So I don't blame Notorious BLU for buying it. And quite frankly, if they sold this cap in El Paso, it would probably become one of the hottest ball caps in town because most people buying it wouldn't even know it's a Midland Rockhounds cap. They would think, wow, the UTEP Athletic Department has just created the coolest-looking alternate minor baseball cap that I have ever seen, and they would not even realize it belongs to the Midland Rockhounds. I'm looking, so I got down a rabbit hole of looking at all these different uh, logos for the Rockhounds baseball team with the pickaxe that you're talking about formed to make the M around the Texas State logo. This is this can work for everything. This doesn't have to just be baseball hat. This can work for things like T-shirts. This can work for things like just uh, their stickers that they they've been advertising as well. With this point is, this should be that logo that UTEP should adopt, either alternate or primary, because I love the way that these two pickaxes make the M, and then you throw the Texas logo behind it. It just makes everything look super clean. I I this is a no-brainer for me as far as uh you, we see logos being adopted throughout all of sports nowadays. This is one that UTEP should try to adopt. They can't, because if they adopt this, they have blatantly ripped it off from the Midland Rockhounds. Now, you can argue that UTSA ripped off UTEP's colors years ago and didn't care. And, uh, you know, even though they are um, a, uh, what are they, um, the Texas, uh, UTSA, they're Roadrunners. Road runners, they're yeah. Roadrunners, they're not minors. Well, what but about still. like Charlotte, the 49ers over there, where they just literally took the pick for UTEP and then flipped it? That's true. That is true. But here's the thing, though, Adrian, and I'm looking at this objectively, okay? I don't think UTEP could improve on this. Like, when I look at this finished product, to me, this is... As good as it gets. I, you can't make the picks better. The color scheme can't improve. 
It's exactly UTEP's scheme. I mean, from colors used to everything about this, this is, without a doubt, the best-looking use of picks I have ever seen in a sports logo bar none. That's very true because we we only see the pick stand alone. You're you're only seeing the pickaxe stand alone when you're looking at different sports teams that adopt the pickaxe into their logos. And this one uses the pickaxe to actually you know formulate a, a, a letter, and that's M. Now you can argue. P, uh, that UTEP has used the pickaxe to do the T in the past, uh, which is you know what they know and, wh- and what UTEP fans know is that uh, they'll use the pickaxe to to be the T in the UTEP. But I, I think that using something like this would be perfect for minors. I, I just think that like having this and and uh, really showing it uh, out the minor pride or something along those lines could be really cool for UTEP fans. Uh, I'm, I would buy this hat as is and just call it a UTEP hat versus you know hope that UTEP actually changes some kind of a logo. All I can say is, Adrian, um, yeah, this is this is good. Now, um, I'm picky when it comes to ball caps, okay? I am. I don't like the uh, 5950s. I like the 3930s. And with the 3930s, or that's the stretch fit. So when it, when it comes to a new era cap, I'm much more about the stretch fit, the medium-large stretch, than I am uh, a fitted seven and three-eighths, okay? So I don't have the size eight that the notorious BLU is sporting. Sorry, pal. Don't have that melon. Uh, wish I did. But, you know, I went right on their site, and I was looking for 3930s, and they don't have them. So it's either authentic or they have the 920 which they call the road replicas. But those are kind of the caps that are, um, how can I put this? Um, they're the real flat caps is the best ah, way to yeah. describe it. Okay, so like the snapbacks, yeah. I think they are snapbacks. Okay, so. yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the fitted. I, I just can't really do fitted myself. I'm just more about the, uh, let, let me let me choose it myself, or let me at least uh, crunch the bill a little bit, the yes. 3930s. Yes, but they, they call it the... The 920 is the um, unstructured brushed cotton twill, is how they call it. So, but I love the design. The logo is amazing, amazing. So, congratulations, Midland Rockhounds, because you have created what I what what I now know is the ultimate UTEP ball cap. You have it. I'm so jealous of this hat right here, Steve, because you know what? There, you asked, uh, are there any improvements this could this could have? Uh, maybe, maybe UTEP could use mountains in the middle where that M is. You oh, see that's where interesting. That is, so that you is do interesting. El Paso Mountains on that, the Franklin Mountains, something along those lines, to make it a UTEP thing. You could, but I like the state of Texas. Me too. I like that. You know what it reminds me of? The El Paso Strong T-shirts that they came out with a while back which had the navy blue shirts with the orange and white um, map of Texas with the El Paso Strong. I love those shirts. I love that uh, that logo that UTEP created for the El Paso Strong. Uh, I'm with you on that. I, that does remind me of it right there. You don't really even see pickaxes with the state of Texas. That's why this one really catches my eyes. When you throw the Lone Star State behind any kind of logo, I think it just makes it, everything pop out a little bit more. I'm with you, man. I am with you on that one. So, no, I love it. I absolutely love it. 
so funny because um, I have a, a listener right now uh, who's listening to the show. Eddie wants to know, where can we see the Axe logo on the cap? So uh, I'll retweet that out through the uh, 600 ESPN El Paso Twitter handle and show everybody what we're talking about there. But, man, I'm, I'm jealous. I like it. And, and you know what? Hey, first off, great job, Notorious BLU. And not only that, I want to give credit where credit is due. Midland Rockhounds, way to deliver on a sweet-looking logo. Very, very nicely done. So congratulations to those Rockhounds for that. And I think that is a, I think that is as good as it gets, in my opinion. Now, I might be wrong, but I look at that logo and I'm like, no, nope, you, can't, you can't improve that. You can't. So, 16 past, the sports talk continues. Let's go to Charlie 1 and get ourselves uh, another traffic update. Charlie, how are we doing? 21 past, the sports talk continues. 505-6009, our telephone number. If you would like to weigh in on the show. 505-6009, we want to finish strong here in our final hour. Planning a busy week as the return of the Chihuahuas, and by the way, not just the return of the Chihuahuas, but OKC's coming to town. The Dodgers are back, Adrian. That's going to be a lot of fun this week. You know that all the Dodger jerseys will be out there. Yep. The fans will be excited to see that uh, uh, that their favorite team in the parent club, their uh, you know their AAA affiliate, will be coming to town this week. So yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of royal blue out at the Southwest University Park this week. And uh, for a city that loves the Dodgers, I understand. It's just kind of funny, you know. Whenever OKC's in town, hard to tell who's the home team. Absolutely right. Hey, uh, props to El Paso Locomotive FC. They hung a five spot on the New York Red Bulls uh, this weekend and dominated them. Five nothing. The final score. Uh, big win for uh, Locomotive FC as they stay right where they need to be uh, in the top five of the Western Conference in that playoff picture. And more than anything, Adrian, this was the kind of offensive output that a lot of Locos fans have been waiting for. They exploded in the first half, kept the Red Bulls off the scoreboard the entire game, pitched the clean sheet, and uh, really uh, got their mojo back when it came down to it. Yeah, and and for John Hutchinson and this team, it's it's been progress uh, really since they they started off real sluggish. I give a lot of credit to midfielder Eric Calvillo, who's really putting everything together. A pair of goals this weekend. Yep. he's becoming their go-to scorer uh, on the offensive side, and then defensively, you look at their goalkeeper Evan Newton. Uh, the way that he's really been able to turn it up at this part of the season, I, I'm just, you know, I feel good about this defense moving forward, uh, knowing that they've got Newton playing the way he is right now. Another clean sheet, just like you mentioned. Uh, he stood out in the previous game, and now he has a nice game in this one against New York. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he continues to do throughout the season. Um, when there were some question marks around the goalkeeper and what he was doing, uh, what he was able to do, yeah, I think he's proved, proven all the doubters wrong that he could still uh, have a lot of success in El Paso. I'm with you on that one. By the way, that match was played in the rain that first half. It was rainy out at Southwest University Park on Sunday, on Saturday. And, yeah, we got, we're going to get some rain in the forecast uh, these last few days. So, you know, it, it was a little wet on the uh, on the pitch. And, hey, uh, that's, um, that's, you know, it came right to the locomotive advantage. And more than anything, uh, you get those full three points, you dominate a team the way they did, that's a long trip 
That is a long road trip to go from New York to El Paso, and you land, and then you get drilled. That is not an e- That is why most of the time you won't see these kind of matchups unless it's once every uh, three, four, five seasons. You just you can't send an East Coast team. 3,000 miles and then expect them to be competitive. Yeah, they just they, they weren't competitive. That was the bottom line with this team and uh, now El Paso will do their share of traveling this week. They're going to head off to East Texas. They've got a big one against Rio Grande Valley FC. Uh, this is the first time the two clubs are meeting this whole season so uh, a lot of unknowns between the two, ma- uh, the two teams but man, this is going to be a big one on Wednesday 6.30 start. It is going to be a big one, and it's a must. I mean, if you think about it, this is one you got to have. So that's another interesting point to bring up right now is just how well uh, Locomotive FC have played after the start, which uh, you don't need uh, Hutch to tell you was a sluggish beginning to the season. They've improved. They've uh, took it up a notch, and now they have an opportunity to carry it over with a big road match. And uh, it's not going to be easy, but all of a sudden, you get that done, and uh, you win a big road match, and it changes things for you. So the way I look at it is this, Adrian. Uh, you got to get at least one. You want three points, but at least come out with the draw. And looking at the table in the Western Conference right now, RGV has struggled all season long. I mean, they only have 22 points on the year. Locomotive have 28. And you look at what Rio Grande Valley's done in their last five. They've won two, they've dropped two, and then they've also had a draw. So, you know, they they did beat Pittsburgh, um, and that was a big win for them. Beat them nine days ago, 1-0. So, you know, that's that was their most recent match. And uh, prior to that, they tied Oakland, the Roots. They lost to LA Galaxy 2. And then they beat Atlanta 4-3. to But they haven't played a lot this month. This is only going to be their fifth match in the month of June. And it's going to be their first one in 11 days. So you wonder, trying to shake off the rust at home, will they be able to do it? And they're below the uh, playoff line right now. So they're in 10th out of 13 clubs. So I, I want to say three points is huge for El Paso because it could boost them up to third in the Western Conference standings. But it's even bigger for RGV because if they don't fail, if they fail to capitalize on anything at home, they're not just going to put them deeper and deeper below the playoff regula- uh, you know, relegation zone. Yeah, and you look at the teams that they have to face from the league this, uh, this upcoming stretch. I mean, El Paso this Wednesday, then next Wednesday against New Mexico United, the following uh, a home matchup against uh, United. Uh, so they have, a, they have two games against them, and then they go up against Las Vegas and San Diego, so a tough stretch for the Toros coming up here soon. They want to get as many wins that they can under their belt, knowing that they're, uh, you know, they haven't had much success in the past, and the upcoming their upcoming stretch is going to be really tough for Rio Grande Valley. So yeah, they they need this win against El Paso. They do. Uh, it's kind of a must win on both sides. And I don't want to just go ahead and uh, compare you know, Indy 11 to the locomotive, because that's not really fair. But, you know, Mark Lowry struggled out of the gate. He's struggling as of late. He's lost three of his last five matches. And, you know, they're just above 
the playoff zone in the East with 21 points, just ahead of Miami in seventh right now. But they have not been able to consistently put it together all season. They started slow, then they picked up the pace, and then they're kind of going through that mid-season swoon a little bit where going to give John Hutchinson a lot of credit. He missed a lot of guys due to international competition and injuries to start the year, was playing shorthanded, finally got his team healthy maybe the first couple of months into the season. Then things started to change. They started to click. And Adrian, the key with Locomotive FC has just been tightening up the defense. Once they tightened it up, they were able to start getting three points because goals were not a problem when the club was losing out of the gate. The problem was they couldn't stop anybody. And then all of a sudden, the defense got better. And as the defense started to improve, the three points started to come in bunches as Locomotive FC was putting it all together. Yeah, I felt like Locomotive dealt with a lot this year, from injuries to players going and playing internationally or just, you know, whatever it may be, players leaving the program That's right. and, and being upgraded to other places. There's been a lot of player roster development and changes and stuff like that to the Locomotive roster that's really helped, I mean, excuse me, hurt uh, things like continuity. And, you know, I think it's just tough to judge whether it be John Hutchinson or Mark Lowry in his first year with Indy 11. I think it's hard to judge those first years for head coaches because I, I think they always, you know, ultimately in the back of their head, I, I'm sure John Hutchinson wouldn't agree to this now, but if you talk to him by the end of the season, he might agree to this. They want to get their own guys in the mix. They want they want to play with familiar guys that they're, they know, that they understand, guys who they've been following through the USL and stuff like that. So roster management, roster overhaul, that's a huge part in building this, you know, this program, whether it's here with the Locomotive FC or with its uh, whether it's Indy 11, you need time to actually build a roster and then you can kind of be judged on the roster you built 100 bottom of the hour as we continue here on sports talk we'll keep things moving right after we say hello to adrian one last time for this bottom of the hour sports center update all right adrian thank you very much um once again you know uh, I was also looking at this, and this I found kind of interesting uh, more than anything. Um, Diego Luna played back on June the 4th in a 2-1 loss to Vancouver. He has not played since, and he only played three minutes in that game. So came in late, made his pro debut, um, but from what I understand, and this is also kind of interesting, um, you know, what will Diego Luna be doing as far as his development? That's something that we're going to have to keep a close eye on because that was a very expensive acquisition from Real Salt Lake and hasn't seen a lot of action yet. So I'm interested to see what happens uh, with him. And apparently he's playing in MLS next uh, is what I understand. What is MLS next? Do we understand what that is? No, I have no clue what that is, Steve. I, I will tell you that uh, uh, the only thing I've seen for um, Diego Luna as far as national news is that he was named to the U.S. youth national team as the under-20, um, I guess like the under-20 age group. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to know, it, does he have a lot of international obligations that, are, that have been hurting uh, his start so Could far be. to Real Salt Lake? By the way, he's playing for Real Salt Lake in the MLS Next Pro. It is a pro league that actually launched this year with 21 teams, 
20 of them are reserve sides for MLS clubs. So it seems like what Real Salt Lake is doing is they're developing him in the MLS Next Pro version of the league since right now maybe that's the easiest way to get up to speed with Real Salt Lake and what they have play him in the developmental league that they have started, kind of their version of USL championship. And he's out of pocket this entire month. Steve just found out that Diego Luna was named to that U.S. national team, and it's this month. It's it's an entire month, the 2020 CONCACAF U-20 championship okay. that's taking place out in Honduras. So that will be a qualifier for the 2023 Under-20 World Cup and the 2024 Olympic Games. So this will take him out of pocket for pretty much the entire month month of June pretty interesting when you start to think about it really is so 35 past the hour um but you know what that could have easily happened to El Paso Locomotive FC so if you think about it if you're losing Diego Luna for a month lose him and make $250,000 on the transfer rather than lose him and, uh, you know, with hopes to get him back and hope he doesn't get hurt. I think that's the key right there. So given his talent and, and skill set, I still believe that El Paso did very well with uh, the transfer fee out there from MLS and Real Salt Lake. Yeah, and for Real Salt Lake, they, they must have seen this coming too on their side, like uh, Diego Luna making his interna- his inaugural Revelations Cup debut back in uh, December. He scored a goal for the U.S. against Mexico in the 50th minute, and that's the last time he's played with the under-20 U.S. youth national team. So this is a great opportunity for Diego Luna to get another chance here uh, this month to play out in Honduras. Sure it is, and when you love to see Diego so uh, as he gets older and stronger, eventually get the call and get a chance to play on the U.S. men's national team. That would be phenomenal. Oh, man, that's the dream right there to watch uh, somebody who's, who, who is uh, playing here through El Paso getting to play at the highest level there. So, yeah, that's definitely the dream for him. And, uh, yeah, I'm who's eight, a guy who's 18 years old right now. It's going to be fun to watch his career grow. That's good stuff. Uh, good update for us uh, for those of you that uh, have been following Luna and uh, Locomotive FC. So, uh, appreciate that as we continue here on Sports Talk. I saw something so ridiculous. I, I wanted to save it for our final countdown, but I think I might just have to bring it up now in our final 25 minutes. I didn't think it was real, but apparently Adrian Peterson is going to be boxing Le'Veon Bell. I mean, when this story broke, I did a double take realizing what, why, and I still can't really understand what AP and Le'Veon Bell are doing in a July exhibition that will be happening at Crypto.com Arena in L.A. Well, for Adrian Peterson to be involved in anything that's violent and he's promoting it, uh, I, I would really check myself if I was uh, Adrian Peterson. Uh, I, I get it, Steve, that all these ex-athletes want to do uh, get in the ring and they think it might be easy, but... Uh, Reality is going to hit most of these guys, and it might hit them in the face, like literally, um, because if, once they step in the ring, they're going to understand that boxing is not easy. This is a tough sport to do and to just put on the gloves uh, for AP to go up against Le'Veon Bell. Sure, it's two athletes going up against each other. This Call for what it is. They're trying to sell some tickets and earn some extra money out of Crypto.com Arena. But they're not officially retired from the NFL. That's the crazy thing, okay? AP played for the Seahawks and Titans last year. And Bell played for the Bucks and the Ravens. But they're last both free year. agents, right? Yes. Okay. 
That's so true. they might not get another job. So this might be a little extra cash as they get uh, ready to be maybe acquired during the preseason or acquired during training camps or something like that. I don't know what it's going to be, but apparently uh, Bell is you know it took it up as cardio during his time away from the Steelers, so he's excited just to go into the ring with anybody. I have no idea what Adrian Peterson is like in the ring. No clue what he could be like as a boxer. Oh, you know, I'm I'm throwing a lot of red flags when it comes to NFL players becoming boxers because I'll tell you, I'm I'm dead scared of Frank Gore. And when I saw Frank Gore step into the ring and go up against Darren Williams, I'm not worried at all about Frank Gore. I mean, I don't necessarily want to catch him in a fight, but, yeah, I'm not worried about this guy. No, huh? Not at no, all. No, not at all. All right. Um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, 21 in front of seven as uh, sports talk continues. But that's definitely something that's on the uh, on the docket next month when boxing returns. Now, I wonder, you think we're going to start to see more celebrity-type boxing here in the future? Yes, I do. I think it's going to be not just ex-athletes, but it's going to be ex-Hollywood like stars and stuff like that. So I think you're going to get some... Uh, some actors, some people who have a little bit of athletic stuff in their background and stuff like that, they'll join these. They'll join these boxing matches. I do. I think this is going to be continue to be popular. What about you? Do you think it's going to continue to be a trend? Uh, yes, I do. It's been like that for a while. You think about it. We had uh, names like Jose Canseco try doing it for a while. That was a disaster. Um, you know, if you go back to football, Ed Tutal Jones boxed years ago. Uh, there's always been Herschel Walker has done a variety. I think Herschel Walker was UFC. I think it was like not even UFC. I think it was MMA, and I believe he's like undefeated. Like Herschel Walker is the kind of person that was in such good shape years ago that even when he was in his 40s and 50s, if he decided to take a sport up and went uh, went at it with somebody, you wouldn't want to get into the ring with that individual. You would not want to get into the ring with Herschel Walker. You're right. He's undefeated. Two zero and zero. Herschel Walker. There you go. Go figure. All right. Uh, we're going to come back, wrap it up. Final countdown next. Stay with us. Final 20 minutes in the show. If you want to get in, 505-6009. Our telephone number of Sports Talk continues.